0: All right, Matthew chapter 20, verses one through 16. Matthew chapter 20, verses one through 16. We're gonna walk through this parable, this story, that is cast alongside a really difficult truth. So let me start off by saying it this way, and then I've got a couple of announcements, and we'll pray, then we'll launch into it. Uh, while you're turning, I think this school is the best Christian school in the known Marvel Universe. I think you students are the sharpest, the brightest. I think you love Jesus. I think you're absolutely amazing. And I love you. And it's because of that, that today when we walk through this text, I'm gonna be hard on myself and hard on you because the text is hard on us. So I want you to know when I'm walking through this this parable, this one's difficult to walk through. This one's hard. This one's... This one's one where you're like, as a communicator, trying to be faithful to the text, you're like, this, but this is gonna come across like I, like I don't think very much of people. But that's not the case. The case is that I think the world of all of you, but I recognize that all of us have sinful hearts and all of us have a sinful nature and this text today hits all of us square between the eyes with a sinful nature and says, here's something we need to work on. So, it's like your parents telling you to eat your vegetables or take your vitamins or do your homework or whatever else. That's the text we have today. So that's what we're gonna do. You okay with that? We all need that from now on. Some of you aren't okay with that. At least you're honest. All right, Matthew chapter 20. We have one story in two scenes. One story in two scenes. And so as you think about these two scenes, scene one, as we walk through this, is gonna be the hiring of the workers. That's gonna be verses one through seven. You can write that down. I'm not giving you the main idea until the end. The second scene that we're gonna see is the paying of the workers. That's verses eight through 16. So we have a story. The story begins in Matthew chapter 20. The first word of our text is for. So that word, indicates that everything that has come previously is gonna play into our story, but we're gonna play into it at the end of the story because we wanna let the story that Jesus cast alongside in order to teach us a truth, we wanna let the story have the effect the story should have. So here's the story. For the kingdom of heaven, we remember kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew uses kingdom of heaven more than kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like, so here we have this parable that he's given us, a master of a house. This master went out early in the morning and hired laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, now that denarius a day is the typical day's wage, so this master's going out, he's finding some workers to go in his vineyard and he says, hey, I'll hire you guys. You guys wanna go work in the vineyard? I'll give you a fair day's wage. And these guys say, yeah, we'll sign up for that. We'll agree to do that for that one day's wage. And so here they are, they're hired, they go. He sent them out into the vineyard. Verse three says, going about the third hour, so a little later on in the day, He saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Now some people try to make a whole lot about this and say, well he had too much in his vineyard and he needed to hire more workers and and try to get too literal into all these details and I don't think all of that matters. And so the story is just that he hired more workers. So at the third hour, he went out and he hired more workers. And then in verse four, he said to them, you go into the vineyard too and whatever is right, I will give you. Now what does he say there? He doesn't say a denarius, he just says whatever's right. I'll give you. They don't argue with him. They don't look for a contract. They don't say, no, we need to know exactly how much we're going to get paid. They trust that the master's a good master. They go out and they work. So there's a slight difference there. Verse five. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour. Three hours later and the ninth hour, the master did the same. Now, as you're telling a story, you emphasize the points of the story that are the most important. So here he's told us already that there's the early in the morning and then there's the three hour, a little bit more detail on the three. Now the six and the nine, I'm sorry if you're the six and the nine people, you don't matter a whole lot because all you get is six and nine and did the same. And he's moving right along, right? So in telling the story, he comes then and he says in verse six, and about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. Now the story slows down. The story zooms in. So we better pay close attention to what's happening as the story slows down and zooms in. It's the 11th hour, it's almost quitting time. And he went and found others standing and instead of just saying to them, go go serve, he asked them a question. Why did you stand here idle all day? Are you lazy? Did you not want to work? Is there something wrong with you? Did you sleep in? Were you spending all your time at Starbucks and so you didn't get a job? Were you playing video games? Did Call of Duty release another update and you were at home downloading Call of Duty all night long? It's, is it that phone game that you play? Is it, why were you not hired? Here's what the story says to us. Why do you stand here idle all day? Verse seven, their answer is simple. Nobody hired us. Nobody gave us a job. Now, if I walk up to you today and ask you, do you have a job on campus? And you say, no. And I say, why not? You say, nobody gave us a job. I'm gonna say to you, have you gone and talked to Chucks? Have you gone and talked to Pioneer? Because they're trying to hire people all over campus. There's like 400 jobs available. But okay, back to my text, I'm sorry. Why do you stand here idle all day? In verse seven, they said to him, because no one has hired us. So he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. All right. Here's the first half of our story. You get what's happening here, right? Let's walk back and just make sure. A master, he owns a vineyard. He goes over here early in the morning. I'm gonna hire you guys to work. How much are you gonna pay us? We're gonna pay you a denarius. Here you go, one hour, one, one denarius for that day. You're gonna go out and you're gonna work. Goes back out at, three, at three, third hour, at the sixth hour, at the nine hour. Those hours aren't that important. There's not that much detail there. And he goes back out at the 11th hour. The 11th hour, the day's almost over. Why are you standing here? Because nobody's hired us. Well, then go work. You need food for your families? Go work, go get in the vineyard. So they're in the vineyard. Second part of the story now, it transitions. Verse eight, and when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call all of the laborers and pay them their wages, but begin with those 11th hours, those with the last up to the first. So when those who were hired at the 11th hour came, he gave them what? Look at what the text says. He gave them a full day's wage. All right, so what if you're nine, six, three, or early? What are you thinking? It's gonna be a good payday. The stock market's doing great. My Bitcoin's going through the roof. I mean, you're thinking this is a good day, right? It says the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius, and now when those who were hired first, okay, wait a second, notice what the story's doing here, because this is gonna be important for us, He skips over what happened to the ninth, the sixth, and the third. This part of the story on the payment focuses on those who were last and then it transitions right along over and it says those who were hired first. So the last and the first. And they came and they thought they would receive more. But each of them received what? A Daenerys. So what are they gonna do? What would we do? You know what the story says to us here? On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. What was their complaint? Verse 12, these people over here? Master, these people over here? They only worked one hour, one hour. We were here early in the morning. They slept in, they played Call of Duty. They didn't do any of the things they were supposed to do. We've been working all day. Look what it says. You have made them equal to us, but we are the ones who have borne the burden of the day. We've worked all day long and in the scorching heat. It was hot out there. Don't you understand how much more effort we put forward than they put forward? This is not right. There's a complaint. And to that complaint, if we're honest with ourselves, we all say, yeah, I get it, right? Are you giving me the right nonverbal communication? All right, we're gonna come back and hit that again because I don't know that you got it yet. You didn't give it to me. Here's what the master says. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a I came out early in the morning I asked you to go work in my vineyard. You said, how much are you gonna pay me? I said, I'm gonna pay you a And you said, okay, and off you went. Have I done you any wrong? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Here's the second point for the master. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity so the last will be first and the first last? All right. How many of you think this is unfair? All right, I'm not setting you up. This is not right. Let me break this back down then. You all go to class. We can relate to that, right? At least I hope we can. (laughs) You're in class and you are in the front row because you're that student. And your notebook is out and all forward color pens are out because you're that student. And your assignment has been done for two weeks. I was that student too. Yeah, I, I wrote my papers, they sat on the shelf so that I could proofread my own papers before I ever turned my papers in. They were done a month ahead of time because you get the syllabus and the syllabus says I gotta get all this done as soon as I can so I can do other stuff and it's all sitting there ready. Like that's just the way I'm wired, all right, forgive me. But that's it, I, you're in the front row, you were there every day, you look around in the back, you see somebody over there goofing off on their laptop, silly person, don't they know tricks are for kids? I mean, you see people, you, you can't believe they're not, you're not, this teacher's brilliant, you're not taking in all this stuff, what are you doing wasting your time? You didn't even show up for class, where were you? You were in line at Chick-fil-A because you wanted to get there early when it opened. I know what you were doing, I, I saw you skipping class so you could go to Bill's Donuts for some reason, I mean, Slacker. End of the semester comes. Slackers sitting in the back of the class on their laptops and phones playing Call of Duty in class and all this stuff. Teacher says, I'll give you a B. He didn't do anything. When did he get he should fail the class? When does he get a B? <laughs> but you know that means I get an A plus. Because I've done it all. And the teacher looks at you and says, Yeah, I'm giving you a B2. All right, how many of you think that's unfair? I know a few faculty members. I'm just saying, I could talk to them at the end of the day here. The stories aren't that dissimilar, are they? And yet, every last one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I'll tell you, I don't think this is right. If I can work one hour and get a full day's wage, instead of working in the heat of the sun and working all day and doing all that, when I look over there and see that, what am I gonna do the next day? I'm gonna sleep in, I'm gonna go to Bill's Donuts, and I'm gonna play Halo online for three hours before I, actually I can't, I'm not wired that way, I wouldn't do that. But that's what we would think, right? This is how it works. We think, in human perspective, of our work equals our consequences. And and there's something right about that. There's something biblical about that. There's something good about that. We think about uh, if you wanna run fast and you wanna run long, you run. If you wanna be strong, you lift weights. If you wanna get good grades, you study. You do your assignments. You do what the teacher tells you to do. If you don't do what the teacher tells you to do, You don't have any reason to complain when you don't get good grades. If you don't do what the coach tells you to do, you don't have any reason to complain when you don't get playing time. That's how we think about these things. There there are consequences to all of our actions. If we are on a diet and we eat less food, we expect to look fit, we expect to look trim. If we go to Chick-fil-A and get a milkshake with every other meal, we expect to buy new clothes so that they will fit us, because we are praying the prayer of Jabez and expanding our borders, and that's all I'm... (laughs) There are consequences to our actions and when we read this story we think I don't like this. So how do we make sense of this parable? How do we make sense of this story? What are we gonna do with this? We're gonna go back and we're gonna look at the context. Now let me tell you before I give you what I think this parable is trying to say to us, there are a bunch of different people that interpret this in different ways. There are some that's gonna say this last first thing that we're gonna talk about is like the Jews were first, the Jewish people, Israel and then all of a sudden the Gentiles get added in, and everybody gets salvation, everybody goes to heaven. Some people think that's what Jesus is teaching here, something always oh, teaching somebody to get saved later in life. So I get saved early in life and I work my entire life for Jesus and then somebody's on their deathbed and on their deathbed they finally get saved and they get the same heaven that I get. And so that's kind of what this parable is teaching. Somebody might think that somebody might say that this parable is teaching uh, well there's one commentary actually says this parable is teaching socialism basically the common good, which is not what this parable is teaching because all of us know this is wrong. And all of us know that if you get paid the same thing for one hour, then none of us are showing up early the next morning, we're all just gonna do the same thing, and if you get the same grade for doing nothing in class, you're not doing anything in class, right, that's just the way it works. So we know the flaw and the fatal aspects of that. So what's actually happened here? I got two things in the setting for you. Two things I want you to write down in your setting. We're gonna back up, we're gonna look at verse 27. So here's the context for this story. So you gotta understand the story, right? So the background to the context, is that Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler who has all of that money and he says to him, I've kept all these things. He says, go sell all that you have. You sell all that you have, then you'll you'll be there. That was his idol. He wasn't gonna sell all that he has. So then Peter looks at this and he says, Peter, we love Peter because Peter asked the question, we're all thinking and he gives us good answers even though we all make fun of Peter for having foot and mouth disease. Peter looks at this in verse 27 and he said in his reply, "Oh, oh Jesus, but we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? So Jesus is patient. So he says to Peter, I say to you in the new world, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me, will sit there on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But look at verse 30 but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So that becomes an important point. What's Peter's motivation for his question? is a question we have to answer. The second thing we've gotta look at is the textual clue here that tells us in 1930, it says those who are first will be last and the last first. In Verse eight of chapter 20, it tells us, call those who were hired last up to the first and pay them in that order. And then in chapter 20, verse 16, it says, so the last will be first and the first last. Here's the issue here. Peter's asking a question and his is saying, Lord, we're doing more than everybody else is doing. What are we gonna get? What are you gonna give me? If I work hard, what are you gonna give me? Do you see the motivation here that's behind Peter's statement? Lord, if I serve you harder, if I work longer, if I do more, then I deserve more. So Lord, we left everything to follow you. What are you gonna give me? Do you, can you relate to that statement? Can you understand that mindset? Let's put that mindset in our world and in our context. Lord, I went to a Christian university. You're gonna give me more than you're gonna give all of those people that went to a state university, right? Lord, I read my Bible every single day this week, so when I ask you in that prayer for you to give me that, that, that date with that girl that hung all the stars in heaven because she's gotta be an angel, you're gonna give me that, right? Does God owe you anything because you read your Bible? No. Does God owe you anything because you made a really wise choice and came to a Christian university? No. You might learn more about God. You might be farther along in spiritual maturity, but God doesn't owe you anything. God, I read my Bible. I even memorized a verse. I pray this prayer and you're not answering it. You're not God. Where where in the Bible does it say God owes man anything? And Here, Peter's asking this question. God, if I serve you, what am I gonna get? And that motivation is the same motivation that creeps into my life and to your life when we look around at others and we say, why do they have that and I have this? I'll come back to that. The first will be last and the last verse. It's three times, it's repetition, it's key. And what this means is that in the economy of God, all of us deserve punishment, death, because none of us are worthy. And so God has given all of us grace and if he chooses to give somebody else a little more grace than perhaps he gives us, then that's God's deal to do. So here's your main idea. You ready to write your main idea of this text down? The sovereign God rewards as he pleases. You want me to tell you what fights hardest in my soul against accepting this statement? Social media. The sovereign God rewards as he pleases. I pull out my phone. And I look and I say, man, that dude got to kill a 14-point buck. Lord, I want that. He got to preach at the conference that everybody wants to preach at. Lord, I want that. That's a sweet Corvette. I want that. What is it? You got it in your head. You know all the things that you see, that in your mind you're thinking, I want that. Instead of God, I'm here to serve you and I'm just a shovel digging a hole wherever you say dig a hole and I'm your shovel and I'll dig however deep and however wide and however long you want because that's all I am as a servant of the most high king And I'm gonna serve you and keep my eyes focused on you and not worry about everybody else. And that's what we're called to do because the sovereign God will reward as he pleases, the sovereign God will give us gifts as he pleases, the sovereign God will use us as he pleases, and all we are is a servant of the most high king. And so in life, You will be the most dissatisfied when you start looking at everybody else and saying, why can't I get this? Why can't I get that? Why is my life not like this? They look like they have everything together. Why is my life not like that? And you will be the most satisfied in life when you keep your eyes focused on the king and you keep your eyes focused on Jesus and when you are most satisfied in Christ, God will be most glorified by you because that's when everything falls in place. I'm not comparing myself to everybody else. I don't have to be everybody else. I don't have the gifts to get up here and sing or play the keyboard or do all those type things. That's not my calling, so I'm just gonna do my thing. I'm gonna do what the Lord has called me to do and I'm gonna do it faithfully and I'm not gonna worry about everybody else and that will bring me peace, joy, patience, comfort, and happiness. If I look at everybody else, I look at some of you. My goodness, some of you are fast and strong and smart. I mean, are you kidding me? If I were to have you stand up right now, I bet every one of you thinks there's something wrong with you. You've got some anxiety, some some depression. You've got something where you think, I I just wish this were different. I wish this were better. I wish this. And from somebody else looking at all of you and saying, I can't believe how smart you are, how gifted you are, how the Lord has the opportunity to use you, how bright your future is, you've got it together. You are among the elite of all the elite as far as looking at gifts and looking through the world's eyes and you already love Jesus and you already understand these things, like the future is yours. And for you to look around at others and say, I got a problem, I'm like, seriously, you've got it all? Be satisfied in what God gives you. All right, I've got some thoughts for you here. These are just random application thoughts. Number one, God owns it all he can do with it as he pleases. God owns it all, he can do with it as he pleases. That includes my body, that includes my gifts, God gave them to me, God gave me every gift I have, I have nothing that I've done on my own, I didn't create anything ex nihilo. God has given us everything that we have, he can do whatever he wants to with it. God, why is it I was diagnosed with this medical issue? I don't know, I can't explain it but you can either get bitter about it or you can serve the Lord through it. Perhaps we serve God in a poor nation in poverty. Perhaps we serve him in an easy context with wealth and comfort. Perhaps one person dies for his or her faith, another person is well supported with friends all around them. Who served God more faithfully? Perhaps some of you think that if you're not called to be a preacher or a missionary, that you're not called to be among the elite of the elite. Perhaps some of you think if I'm a preacher or a missionary, I'm gonna get better rewards. I'm gonna get more stuff. Jesus is gonna like me more because I'm using my gifts to go overseas or I'm doing something like that. And the truth of the matter is God calls us all to give him everything that we have and be faithful stewards. And so you can run a business and be a faithful steward. You can be a nurse and be a faithful steward. You can be a teacher in a public school, which may be very similar to being a missionary in the mission field and you can spread the gospel and share the love of Christ and whatever God has called you to do because you're going to serve the Most High King and do it faithfully. You may be a housewife that stays home and raises kids and that may be the thing that you do for the glory of God. You may just be a good dad and a good dad all your life and that's what you do for the glory of God. God gives us an assignment and our job is to say, God, you're sovereign and you're in control. I'm going to do my assignment. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to look around at everybody else. You are in control. You own it all. You give me what I can handle and don't give me what I can't handle, and let's go. But we don't like that, do we? Maybe God didn't give you something else because you couldn't handle it. It would cause you to leave him. Maybe he gave you just enough. Number two, another thought, we must keep our eyes on the master and not other workers. So these guys who were hired early in the story what if they just kept their eyes on the master and they said, you told us you would give us a denarius and you gave us a denarius and that's a fair day's work for a fair day's wage and I'm very content with that. Thank you for the opportunity to work and serve and provide for my family. But we look at everybody else and when we look at everybody else, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, I don't look as good as that. And that dude lost 140 pounds. How do he do that? I just need to lose like 20. How, look, what's going on here? I'm not happy or content like they are. Keep your eyes on the master, not on all the other workers. I can't help but remember the story in John chapter 21, it's not a story, it happened, where Peter is talking to Jesus and he's talking about John's life, and Peter looks at, or he's talking about his life, Peter looks at Jesus and says, what about him? All right, if I'm gonna have to die for you, if I'm gonna have to give my life for you, what about him? You remember Jesus' response to Peter? What is that to you? That's none of your business. You follow me. I think that's kind of the point of the story here. I think that's kind of the reminder of Peter of this parable that has been told. Peter, it doesn't matter what you're gonna get, follow me. God is good and God is just and God is righteous and he's gonna give us good gifts. He is a good, loving father. We're gonna get more than we ever deserve because it's all by grace through faith in Christ alone. Yeah, but God, what about him? My life seems harder than that. Don't you worry about him? You follow me. Thought number three. We should not serve God with selfish motives. Why do you obey God? got I obey you because I think you're gonna give me health, wealth, and prosperity. So what happens if you're diagnosed with cancer? Is God not still just as good, just as right, just as sovereign? What if you don't get the job you want? What if you don't make the major you want? What if you don't pass that class you really think? Is your identity in all of those things or is it in Jesus? This is what we do. This is what we do when we're young. This is what dogs do. When we're young, if you obey me, I will give you this. It's the good and the bad consequence. I will give you the good consequence. So your motivation for obeying me is, well, if you live in my house, your motivation for obeying me is I'm probably gonna take you out to eat ice cream or junk food or Smarties or something like that. Like that's, I, yeah, I, that's probably the motivation. You, you do good, we're gonna go do, we're going to Young's. Like that's, right? I mean, how many of you like to go to Young's? You do good, we're gonna go to Young's. I mean, that's kind of what we do because I like going to Young's. I like junk food, so if they do well, we're gonna sit there and eat junk food and probably watch some TV and hang out, eat a bunch of Doritos or something like that, Smarties. I mean, that's just good li- that's the good life, right? Take in on the scale afterwards, but that's another story for another day. Dad, if I obey you, what am I gonna get? If I'm good, what are you gonna give me? This is how we function in life sometimes. I'm gonna do this, I expect that. So the dog comes up. Some dogs, not all dogs, sit. How do I teach you to sit? Here's a treat. Oh, so if I sit, I get a treat. I'm gonna sit every time you say sit then because you've trained me that I get a treat if I sit and that's a good thing. There's a reward that's coming. So part of the story is that we sit back over here and God, I've done all these things, what are you gonna give me? But is that really the right motivation for serving God? And how does that motivation work in the hard times when everything doesn't work out exactly like you think it ought to work out? So here's the hard truth that I have to follow and that all of you have to follow and that I have to communicate to you today. Your obligation is to serve God whether he gives you good gifts or whether he doesn't. Your obligation is to serve God whether he allows you to die a martyr's death or whether he gives you all the desires of your heart, the wealth, the prosperity, the recognition, whether you get it or whether you don't, serve God. Our obligation is that he is a holy God worthy of our worship, and no matter what he gives us, with Job, think about Job, with Job and all of the things that came his way, he says, he is still God. Even though he slay me, I will worship him. That's where we have to get. And that's why this is hard. Number four. Number four. These are just my thoughts as I walk through this of where the Lord was hitting me in my own life. Maybe they're helpful to you, maybe they're not. If we seek earthly treasure or the applause of men, then we have our reward. Oh, I think of Matthew 6 here. Matthew 6 says this, verse three. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So thus, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue or in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've got the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving even may be in secret and that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you do something good, you want somebody to know about it. And you want them to praise you. And that's an instinct and an impulse in my sinful nature that I want people to know the good things I do and praise me for the good things I do. I like that. And yet here what this text is telling us is this text is saying don't worry about what you're gonna get. Serve the master. If the master's more gracious than somebody else, what is that to you? You follow me. All right, number five. I've already given you this one in some sense. Instagram and social media feed our tendency for envy and discontent. It's not just social media. It's keeping up with the Joneses. It used to be the gossip train. It used to be looking around at the tabloids and all the stuff, it's just the television. It's whatever, it's it's anytime we look. It's advertising 101. You tell me that I need this in order for my life to be better and that's why I go and buy your product and that's how you advertise. And so you're pulling at my sinful nature every time you're advertising something to me to tell me this will make my life better and chances are it won't make my life better. Chances are it doesn't even do what you say it'll do. But that's it. And to some degree, that's what social media does to us. So I would just urge you to guard your intake I would urge you to watch what you put into your mind and when that starts feeding that impulse in you to say I'm not satisfied with what God's given me, I'm not sure if God is really good because you're looking at somebody else to say, wait a second, time out. I need to stop having all this intake. All right, last thought. God is sovereign, good, and just. He will do as he pleases. He is God and we are not. And to that we should say, praise the Lord, that I'm not God, because I would mess it up. He is God, and I am not. He is the one who is in control. Our speaker last week said, are you seeking to serve or are you self-serving? Friends, God will not treat us unfairly. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of compassion. Everything God has given us. This opportunity to be here today is a good gift from God. Let's praise him for it. Let's not look to others. Let's not get discontent. Let's not get envious. But let's praise the Lord for he is worthy. He's a good God. Serve him. Find your contentment in Christ. God, this is hard. We're not good at it, I'm not good at it. So I pray that you will help us today to be reminded of it and each day afterwards so that when our hearts are not content, when we're not satisfied, when we are looking to others and saying, why isn't my life like that, Lord? Will you remind us of this parable? Will you remind us that our job is to serve you and serve you well and let you do what you wanna do because you are God. So God is freeing in another way because when things don't go our way, you're God. When things do go our way, you're God. We praise you in both circumstances. When we get good things, it's because you're good We get hard things just because you're teaching us. So God, you are in charge and you are sovereign. Let us praise your name all of our days and serve you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.